It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, the Raptors picked up a cruise control victory. It's unbelievable. They take down the Oklahoma City Thunder 117.98. I will dig into my big takeaways from the game, talk about Pascal Siakam's huge night, and why the minutes total he played in this one once again underscores that the Raptors simply got to do something at tomorrow's, I guess today's deadline at the time you're most likely listening to this. So we will dig into that. We will dig into my final wish list for the deadline as well and talk all about the dude of the game, the award that everybody's talking about that we hand out after every single Raptors game on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1115 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 10th, your first of two episodes that you're going to get today on here Thursday, February the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can support the podcast, listen, follow, rate, subscribe, etc., all on your favorite podcast platforms for the low, low price of free. We are also on YouTube, and you can subscribe. Hit that big, fat, red subscribe button to support the show. That is also free and on the house, so please go do that. And a big thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. All right, we got another Raptors win, a seventh straight Raptors win to dig into today. We are going to talk about, of course, the dude of the game, the man who did the unheralded work uh, in the Raptors win. Look, it wasn't exactly a win that required a lot of dude at level performances this is a pretty easy going win for the raptors but that's nice in its own right still got the dude of the game and i'm gonna lay out my final wish list for the trade deadline yakim Pertle, doug mcdermott danilo gallinari someone else we'll get to that in the final segment of the show but we should dig in first to my big takeaways from this game and look it's hard to have one sort of overarching takeaway mostly it's just really nice that they had a game that was not down to the wire obviously the hornets game wasn't quite that they won by 15 it was pretty comfortable but they did have to sort of fight off a single digit lead late in the game and all that this one no such trouble against the oklahoma city thunder who really really stink man i can't get over how bad this thunder team is especially without shea gilgis alexander but even with them 
they're an embarrassment. They got uh, performances out there. They got Alexei Pokashevsky just like standing there getting put into the spin cycle by Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi at every single turn, just completely out of his depth. Yes, he had some nice flourishes here and there, had some buckets, whatever. hes I don't think he's really anything, though. He's a very, very bad basketball player. You have Ty Jerome taking up entire possessions without a single pass leading to shot clock violations, like some kind of video game glitch. There's not a ton to really take from beating the tar out of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Other than that, the Thunder uh, really didn't have to be this way, man. You could have just kept Chris Paul. Why didn't you do that? They are, will forever be giant losers for trading away Chris Paul. They could have been the Suns. But anyway, that's besides the point. As far as Raptors takeaways go in this one, I mean, you obviously you gravitate towards Pascal Siakam. 27 points, 16 boards, 5 assists, 13 of 17 shooting in this one. Just a really... Excellent, top to bottom, easy performance for Pascal. Did not seem to be terribly burdened by anything that the Thunder were throwing his way. First half, he scores 21 points relatively easily, you know, kind of just finding his spots, saying, oh, I'm going to drive here and spin right and score. And he would do that without any real resistance whatsoever. Second half, they start sending a little bit of extra attention his way, and so he starts carving them up with passes. He had four assists in the second half to add on to his one from the first half to finish with that five. Just a really, really great game. And yeah, he played 40 minutes in this one, which is not the best, a little bit troubling considering, you know, this was not a game that I think required 40 minutes of Pascal Siakam. I mean, he was a plus 11 when he played, and he continues to be an absolute driving force of everything good and holy that is happening with your Toronto Raptors right now. But obviously, against the Thunder, you would hope that you get a little bit more than just a minute 47 of garbage time. That said, it's not like it was a terribly taxing 40 minutes. He wasn't out there playing against the Miami Heat in this one. It wasn't like he was having to scramble and, you know, fix all the messes on the defensive end. He was kind of a quiet defender in this one, more or less. You know, I think a lot of the sort of rim protection duties were taken on by Chris Boucher off the bench and Scotty Barnes and all of that. Like, it wasn't a terribly... Uh, high-stress game for Siakam despite the minutes total. So I'm not sweating that too much, but it does kind of underscore, once again, the thing we've all been talking about and realizing about this Raptors team for the last little while going into the deadline is that they just need somebody. They need a body, two bodies, two guys with pulses who have arms and legs who can take up minutes and possibly be effective in those minutes and surely knock down a three. That would be pretty swell. You know, the seven... Eight-man rotation, I guess nine men if you're counting Ken Birch, who's barely playing. He's kind of playing the Norm Powell minutes right now from back a few years ago. He plays a few minutes in the first half, doesn't really get it in the second, got it in garbage time, but that was about it. You got it. You're getting like nine to 12 minutes of Delano Banton in these games as well. That's all well and good, but you need a little bit more, I think, in terms of juice off the bench. You need someone who can alleviate the burden on Siakam and Fred and the ball handling department as well. Maybe not like all, all the way, you know, you're probably not taking the ball to their hands that, that much, but anyone who could just put the ball on the deck and knock down a shot would be super helpful for this team right now. And we'll dig into some names about that later. And, and I don't think we're, you're, we're I'm telling tales of a school or anything like that here. This is stuff we've already known, but this was a nice sort of highlight of, yeah, they won by 19 pretty comfortably against a bad Thunder team. They moved to 30 and 23. They're still in sixth, but the problems still exist when it comes to the depth of this team. And if the Raptors want to make this back part of the season sustainable, maybe make some noise in the postseason, I think by this time tomorrow, we got to be talking about some new member of the Toronto Raptors and digging into what that player is going to mean for the team and how they can help. And so 
again, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of revisit that in the back part of the show with a final wish list, if you will. Uh, a couple other notes on this game. I thought, you know, this was a fun little testing ground game. You could tell the Raptors were just trying some stuff out against this Thunder team. You know, they didn't seem too perturbed anytime. Precious Achua tried to get a little bit bold with the ball. It was just like, all right, well, they're up by 15. Might as well just let Precious go to work. And sometimes it worked, and more often than not, it didn't. Just two of seven for Precious in this game. But I think the thing that really stood out to me was the way they used OG Ananobi in this one, which was uh, they found Josh Giddy. And they said, oh, gee, that guy can't handle you. He is like half of your weight and you can bench press nine of him. Uh, go work, go to work in the post against him. And he very much did that. Oh, gee, pretty quiet, I guess, overall. Like it wasn't like a, a an enormous flashy 25 point game or anything like that. Just 15 points, 10 boards are very important. 10 boards. All of his boards are important because he's been a really good rebounder for them lately. But you know, you get six of 12 shooting three, seven from three, just a rock solid across the board game, kind of going into what we've talked about lately with OG and how he's just playing a really, really excellent version of himself within this role that he's found on this Raptors team where he's not quite like the OG of old where he's just standing in the corner and catching and shooting and whatnot. He's got more responsibility than that, but he's not the focal point of the offense unless they're using him to post up. And, and look, I think there's this sort of, you know, inkling when you think about OG post-ups to think, oh, this is some like perfect play. You can't stop it. He's too strong. And they've been going to it a lot lately. They've really been finding him, you know, sealing it out of the basket, things like that, finding him in positions where he can really take advantage of his outlier skill, which is that he's stronger than everybody else. As it turns out, his numbers have not been that impressive when it comes to post-ups this season. So far, coming into this game tonight, uh, the overall numbers over at NBA.com, just 0.84 points per possession on his post-up. Post-ups, just 11.7% of the time is he posting up as well. He's in the 24th percentile when it comes to post-up scoring. And look, the NBA numbers uh, from NBA.com, while great, are also a little bit flawed here because it's really just possessions that he's finishing off. You're not capturing the possessions where he's making those really great big-to-big passes or kicking out and getting it swinging for threes. So those aren't really being captured by that metric, but it still stands that he's not scoring terribly effectively when he does post up. And I think, honestly, you know, you don't want to lose sight of the developmental aspects of this season, right? It is a season where... Things are already feeling like gravy. They're ahead of schedule. And now you're sort of looking at the postseason and the standings and thinking, hey, maybe we can do something a little more than we would have expected. But you don't want to lose sight of those developmental elements, too. This season is about learning what you've got in these guys, what their strengths are, what you can build your future offense and defense around. And I think funneling some of these possessions to OG in the post where, in theory, he's so much stronger. He's got a pretty solid handle. He's got a strong base. He's got good finishing around the basket. He should be a good post-up player. Give him the reps so we can get there and climb out of the depths of the 24th percentile of post-up finishing. I think that is a totally fine strategy in these games where you're not playing very good teams. And thankfully, they're finally getting some of these games. They play the Rockets tomorrow again. I would imagine we'll probably get to see some of that as well, you know, just sort of, sort of that experimentation. You know, you're seeing it as well. Scotty Barnes is being emboldened to drive and, you know, put the ball in the deck a little bit more often too. I'm getting really excited every time Scotty Barnes sizes up a drive these days. Like he had one in this game where he, you know, Chris Boucher was going to screen for him. He kind of just like moved Chris, Chris out of the way. Right? He's like, go to the corner. I'm going to go to work here. And I want to say it was Ty Jerome that he just sized up, drove, did his funky little back down, and then turned over and scored, you know, thing. That's what he's been doing all the time lately. And those drives, we've talked about them at length, going back to the episode with Samson Folk a few weeks back about 
just his finishing and his unorthodox manner by which he gets to the rim. And it's a really, really exciting thing to see him realizing, oh, no one can stop this sort of four-foot kind of floater, kind of not shot that I have. And it's just a really cool thing to see him realize when he's got an advantage he can press. And so that was, I, I think, the stuff I really noticed from this game was that the Raptors, in addition to playing a good game overall and you know, punching back when they had to, uh, I thought they just did a good job of trying some stuff out, which, you know, you, you lose sight of sometimes when you're playing these really intense games that are going down to the wire against really important opponents who are close to you in the standings. It's nice to get a bit of a reprieve from that to uh, just workshop some stuff, which is nice. Uh, all right, we're going to continue on here. We're going to talk about the dude of the game, as we always do. I'm going to get to that earlier than usual because the final segment today will be a bit of a last-second trade deadline primer. Um, so we'll get to the dude of the game to round out our talk on this Thunder game in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who have got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right into the big game. This weekend, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, MLB. If they ever get back on the field, come on, please. I want to watch the Blue Jays. Let's do it. But Rob Manfred has other plans. Either way, uh, you got UFC, you got uh, live real-time updates of current games, you got casino games as well, everything on BetOnline. And don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Go to bet online. They are where the game starts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, let's get to the segment that everybody's talking about, the dude of the game. The player, if you're unfamiliar with this segment, the player who was a little bit unheralded, I suppose, in a game that the Raptors played, wasn't the star, but did some very important things. And I am going to go in this game with Gary Trent jr as the dude of the game in this game he goes 16 points 5 of 12 shooting 2 of 5 from downtown five steals holy crap five steals so look not a you know an explosive 30 plus on a hilarious efficiency type game from gary trent jr like we've seen before but i thought the moments where he shot in this game were really really vital to ensuring that the thunder didn't pull some stuff and make this game closer than it should have been and in particular it's the final minute or so of the third quarter that I want to highlight here. The Thunder are kind of doing this thing. They had a couple guys get unseasonably warm from three in this one. Ty Jerome uh, had, what was he? Uh, he was he ended up three of 12. He started three of three. So, you know, that finished. But, you know, Poku goes four of five from downtown. Theo Maladon goes three of seven as well. And you get those weird guys popping off on a team that stinks at shooting threes from guys that typically are not very good at shooting threes. And the Thunder got it to within 10, 82-72. At that point, Gary Trent Jr. scores back-to-back -back buckets. 
uh, a mid-range pull-up, and then he hits a three. And that really felt like the final swat of the Thunder. Uh, I likened this game on Twitter tonight to like a walk through the forest that is mostly quite pleasant. You're looking at the trees. You're feeling and smelling the smells. The sun is baking you with that sweet, sweet vitamin D. But then there's like, just like the odd little hornet's nest or a wasp who's flying by and is kind of annoying you. Maybe stings you. It's kind of getting in the way, threatening to derail your wonderful walk. But eventually you pass by them and they go away and you leave the forest unscathed. That's kind of what this game was like. And Gary Trent Jr. was the uh, bug swatter for the Raptors in some of the crucial moments of this game. Again, the five steals are really nice too. getting back on that really, really aggressive and sometimes riding the line a little bit too tightly. But, uh, you know, really aggressive style of defense that he's played and has been really effective for this team so far this season. So Gary Trent Jr. is your dude of the game. And I got to say, the dude of the game, lovely segment, great. It's what everybody's talking about. But man, am I excited for the possibility of the trade deadline coming along and providing new, brand new ground upon which to uh, hand out due to the game awards. It's just been like the same seven guys all year long. Delano Banton sliding in there once in a while, but it's going to be nice, hopefully, to see some new faces brought into town tomorrow with the trade deadline to uh, hopefully make this team a little bit deeper in due to the game options, number one. And then I guess they can help with winning basketball games too, but that's not the segment everybody's talking about. The due to the game is, either way, Gary Trent Jr. with his 16 points and five steals and some timely shot making is your dude of the game in this one. I also want to shout out very quickly, Yuta Watanabe played in garbage time the minute 47 that there was of it in this game. And he had four points and he hit a nice floater from the free throw line, got to the basket and finished at the rim too. Uh, you know, still would like to see Yuta Watanabe get another shot. Even if they added someone tomorrow in the, at the deadline, I would like to see you to get back in there somewhere because he was really effective on defense earlier on this season and was a pretty useful off ball offensive player too, with a little bit of off the bounce juice when he had to attack a closeout. I don't think he just forgot how to play. He had a couple of bad games getting back from COVID. I wonder if perhaps his stay in the doghouse should come to an end, not feeling the same for speed my Luke, but uh, <laughs> either way, I, uh, that's my very like subtle due to the game mentioned uh, for a minute 47 of solid play. Yuta Watanabe gets it for me. Uh, we're going to now pivot into the final segment of the show where we're going to lay out my final hopes and dreams for the trade deadline tomorrow and uh, lay out the, the deals that I would really like to see the Raptors be able to pull off. You know, some of them are more likely or possible than others. I think my dream scenario has been dashed by our friend Daniel Hackett at Raptors HQ, who is my go-to cap expert and uh, so we'll dig into that and uh, we'll dig into some deals that actually could happen as well coming up in just one second here to close out the show. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are wonderful and they are saving you money anytime you go to the auto parts store to get something fixed on your car. Instead of going to the mechanic and saying, hey, I need this part and they say, hey, I have this one version of it and it costs this much money. There's no power in your end in that transaction. They have all of the power and all the leverage. But if you go to rockauto.com and get your parts there, you're going to get them for much cheaper and you're going to have way more selection as well. And their website is incredible. I know nothing about cars and I'm not particularly good at the internet either other than posting dumb tweets, but I can navigate rockauto.com's website extremely easily and I highly recommend you check them out if you do need something for your car. They've got everything you need from the important stuff like brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil and new carpets, the aesthetic things that matter quite a bit as well if you want to have your car looking spick and span. So go and check out 
uh, rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box to know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com this lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home but i'll be honest i haven't been consistent that is until i found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, let's get to it. My final wish list, if you will, for the trade deadline tomorrow. Uh, You know, from Bobby Webster's comments earlier this week, uh, I think yesterday when he spoke, I'm recording this on Wednesday, he spoke Tuesday, you know, Bobby Webster does not seem to be, you know, inc- hinting at any sort of enormous deal for the Raptors. And I don't think they should be making some kind of enormous deal unless there's a superstar available, which the superstars who are available right now seem like the superstars you don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Uh, James Harden and Ben Simmons, that's that own little, whole little soap opera that's going on there that uh, I just frankly want no part of. And I don't think the Raptors have the choice of being a part of it either, frankly. Um, but, you know, it feels like some kind of move is coming. This Drogic thing is floating out there. You know, the various sort of reports, of, oh, they're dangling Drogic in a first, Drogic in two seconds, whatever it might be. I think Drogic is getting moved tomorrow. It doesn't make sense for him not to. And there are a lot of options out there. I think it's just going to be a matter of, it gets to three o'clock. The buzzer goes. What's the best offer on the table for the Drogic and a first or Drogic and two seconds package? And then you just take the guy who you think can help you the most in exchange for whatever the return is. Trades, aren't they simple? Uh, not so much, but I think that's probably what you can expect here. I, I would probably assume that the Drogic deal comes later in the day if it happens at all. But I think there's been too much noise to suggest, you know, otherwise that it's not going to happen. It seems like it will go down. And, you know, with the Raptors seemingly thinking, oh, we're going to do something to try to help the team and sort of the margins, as Bobby Webster more or less said yesterday, like the only avenue for them to really do that is with Dragic because of the contract. He's 19 million bucks. It's easy to salary match, et cetera. Um, I, I guess before I dig into a last sort of list of guys that I'm really hoping for the Raptors to land here, just a refresher on the situation for the team. The team is like 100K or less beneath the luxury tax line right now. So any deal with Dragic going out ideally is going to come with a little bit less money coming back. And so that could require adding a little bit of a sweetener to a deal, maybe a Malachi Flynn or a Yuta Watanabe or a Sfima Hailuk, for example, to get the, the number up that you're sending out to bring a number back in. For example, Danilo Gallinari makes a little bit more money than Goran Dragic does, so you'd have to add a little bit more money to the outgoing package in order to bring back Gallinari and stay under the luxury tax. Reminder for those who are like, just pay the luxury tax. Who cares? It's not my money. Uh, and I know I've done this a few times, but it's the cap is complex, and I like to try to uh, be as explanatory as possible about it. The luxury tax, 
is something you don't want to pay unless you're a real contender with a chance of winning the title because it is prohibitive. You get fewer exceptions to deal with when you're filling out your roster. You obviously have to pay a large tax bill and you don't get the windfall that comes from all the teams that have paid the tax being dispersed amongst the rest of the teams. This is a huge tax year with the Nets and the Warriors and the Bucks and the Lakers, I believe, and a bunch of other teams paying a ton of money in the luxury tax. The Lakers might not because they didn't pay Alex Caruso. <laughs> uh, either way, lots of teams paying a lot of money in the tax this year. I mean, the Warriors tax bill is like as much as their whole payroll plus more, I'm pretty sure. It's crazy because it's all you know exponential once you get past certain points. And it's prohibitive to pay the tax when you're not a contender because you get repeater penalties when you pay it two out of three years. And so the Raptors are going to want to keep their powder dry. They're not a contender right now, and they're not going to want to pay the luxury tax right now and potentially limit their flexibility down the line. And so that's, they're not being cheap. They're not doing the Blazers thing right now and just ducking the tax because they're cheap and are sad and are going nowhere. They are doing it for actual legitimate purposes. But that said, the Raptors can bring in a little bit of money here like a Gallinari, like someone who makes a similar amount of money to Goran Dragic, and it's not going to affect them next year with the tax because they'll have some room to add minimum contracts, and it sounds like the the cap and tax are going to be a little bit higher next year than was originally expected. I think Shams and the, the other insiders reported it might be as much as $2 million higher than it was going to be or expected to be. So that gives a little bit more wiggle room for the Raptors here. And really, you can kind of look at tomorrow and the potential to add some sort of piece through this Dragic move as kind of the only chance the Raptors are going to have at a free agency, as it were. It's not a free agent ad, obviously, and they're going to be looking to add somebody with term beyond this year because they don't have cap space this summer, regardless of what they do with Dragic. They're not going to have cap space to work with, but they'll have plenty of cushion underneath the tax to work around with. And so if you can add somebody via trade, you can't sign for agents without cap space, so they're, they're not going to be able to do that at all. If you can add someone who can help the team next season, you'll have your mid-level exception this offseason and things like that to work with too. Uh, you know, minimum exceptions, biannuals, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they'll be able to fill out a roster around their main guys that they already have in-house. You'll have Chris Boucher's bird rights in, in theory. You could bring him back too if they want to do that as well. Um, it might require him to walk depending on the guy they bring in. It's all very complex, and I don't need to get too deep into the minutiae of the cap. Go read Daniel Hackett at RaptorsHQ.com for that because he's a genius and knows the cap inside and out. But either way, tomorrow does represent a very real opportunity for the Raptors to sort of do free agency in a roundabout way and get somebody in-house for next season as well. And so if we're going through like dream targets, wish lists, I guess we can start here. I, I think... You know, I mentioned Gallinari. I think his Hawks teammate, Bogdan Bogdanovich, is like the white whale dream outcome here. The dude's awesome. The dude has totally reinvigorated the Hawks bench, just kind of running it himself. He's a good passer, can score himself, create his own shot. I, I really think Bogdan would be a wonderful ad, one that I'd be very happy to pay a first-round pick for, potentially even like a first and a second, and maybe toss in like a Flynn as a sweetener or something like that. I think that is a worthwhile gamble for the Raptors not really a gamble he's just a good player there's not really a gamble there and he's got cost control which actually kind of works in the Raptors favor here a little bit I think he'd be a fantastic fantastic addition for the Raptors if they can make it work that requires the Hawks to want to move on from him and I don't know why they would want to considering he has saved their second unit and so as you go through tomorrow and you're going through the various situations always keep in mind what's the other team thinking here too with Gallinari, who is also pretty high near the top of my dream target list, 
it's a little different because he is maybe not someone who's going to be part of the long-term plans. He's not as important to the way that team operates as Bogdan Bogdanovich. And this is a team that has like 11 good players on it already. In the playoffs, they're not going to play that many guys. Gallo might not even play in the postseason for them. If they can get off of his money, it might be worth it for them. And maybe it's just Drogic in a couple seconds. Maybe they really don't want to pay Gallo's money next season. Maybe they want to add a little bit of flexibility or have just that money off the books. I think that's a total possibility here. So Gallinari of the two Hawks guys is my less preferred target, but I still think he's worthwhile going after. He's got like a 59% true shooting this season. He knocks down threes with the best of them. And that is what the Raptors desperately need off the bench right now. He can also create a little bit too. And if you in a pinch, you don't want to have Siakam or Fred, you know, running the offense for 48 minutes of the game, you could probably have Gallinari run a little pick and roll here and there, and you won't get destroyed by it. It's not going to be world beating, but He's a good enough and versatile enough offensive player that I think it's worthwhile if they can bring him in. Other guys who I'm kind of a little less in on, you know, I think as much as I love Terrence Ross, and boy do I love Terrence Ross. His photo is right there. I I point to it most days. I love Terrence Ross. I don't know if the sort of Ross package works out. You know, there was a time where Ross for like Chris Boucher and some stuff kind of felt potentially doable um you know there would have to be some extra contracts thrown in there to match salaries properly and whatnot but that felt like something that was kind of doable as a roster balancing move boucher has been too good you can't move on from him right now he's your sixth man right now and he's your clearly your best and most reliable player off the bench he's untouchable tomorrow as far as i'm concerned as long as there's not some sort of bigger deal at play where you're fully revamping your second unit untouchable is far too strong a word for chris boucher but you know what i mean i think hopefully with that you know, the, the Ross deal becomes more difficult if Boucher is not able to be part of it. Maybe you do Ken Birch, but I don't know why you're trading Ken Birch back to Orlando, the place that he spoke about uh, totally limiting his upside and potential and skill set and all that. I don't think I see that one in the cards at all. And so it requires a bit of a bigger deal here. And the sort of deal that has been floated around by some folks, I know Eric Kareen, this is one of his faves that he's talked about on his podcast with Holly McKenzie quite a bit, is the Goran Dragic for Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba, and maybe the Raptors toss in a first-round pick there. The thinking there is that the Magic are not going to get a first for either of Bamba or Ross on their own. And so if you package them together, maybe you get one. It's an interesting one for the Raptors. Ross is on the books for next year. Totally fine guy to have off your bench. You know, he can get hot for you. I don't know if I totally trust him as a playoff performer, which really pains me to say because the man once had a glorious game saving steal against Paul Pierce in game seven of the Eastern Conference first round. He's got playoff chops, but I, I don't know. It's a little bit tricky for me to envision Terrence Ross making a huge, serious impact in a playoff series. And look, I'm just melting inside saying this because I would lose my mind and I still will lose my mind if Terrence Ross is on the Raptors by this time tomorrow. But I just don't think it's that feasible. And I don't know if it's the best way to upgrade this roster and really address what they need the most. And look, Ross offers the shooting I've been looking for. He just feels maybe a little bit one dimensional for what they need. And so I'm not terribly thrilled about that idea. Bamba, I don't know where he slots in you know, you're not going to play him in the starting lineup and you're not going to play him ahead of Boucher right now or Precious. Really, you have more invested in Precious and you have to pay Bamba this summer. He's had a good season. He's kind of tailed off after a really hot start. I am kind of lukewarm on that idea. So put that under, if that's all that's on the table at uh, at three o'clock, fine, pull the trigger, but it's not my first choice. 
I've thrown around the Yakup Pertle Doug McDermott uh, pairing before. I think that's a really good one to go after if you're the Raptors. It requires a little bit more money going out because those guys both make, I think, combined about 24, 25 million bucks. And so it'll have to be Dragic plus probably like Kemp Birch, maybe. Uh, and then first rounders, maybe you throw in Malachi Flynn. That is a little bit of a bigger one to pull off. So I would say it's probably less likely, but that would be kind of a dream scenario as well. You get the shooting of McDermott, you get the defensive and rim protection up, upside and acumen of Yakup Pertle. You know, I've, I've spoken about the fit concerns with Pirtle. He's not a great free throw shooter, which is a problem this team already has. And I'm not sure he's closing games for you, but he doesn't have to close games because they have this killer starting five who can close games. Maybe you start Pirtle, move Scotty to the bench. He can become your bench wizard who's running the show a little bit with the help of one of Pascal or Fred here and there. And you have Yak start, but not finish both games. I think maybe that's kind of the way you'd go about it. Either way, that's an option. The Yak and Skills front court reunited. That would be kind of cool. My dream guy, I will say, and I don't think this is possible. I've run it, but I ran it by Daniel Hackett, and he has uh, laughed me out of the room as to how impossible it is. But Josh Hart on the Blazers, just kind of kicking around there. He was out for rest tonight. We'll see. I don't know. They're trying to figure out what the Blazers are doing makes no sense. They are uh, nonsensical right now and very, very cheap. Maybe that is, maybe they do make sense. Maybe they just don't want to spend money. Either way, Josh Hart would be a wonderful addition to this Raptors team, man. Like he's not a great shooter, just about 32 and a half percent this season. And is only about a 34% guy for his career. So that's tricky. You wonder if he's playing with Siakam and OG and Fred, maybe he gets some good looks either way. I, I think with the way Hart has kind of shown a little bit more on ball acumen this season, and he's a really good defender too. Like I would be pretty on board with Josh Hart coming into this team. And the nice thing too, is that his contract, while it sucks for him, is like pretty team friendly, no matter who is the team that has him. And I hate speaking about players in the terms of contracts. It sucks at the deadline. It's kind of a reality, um, you know, but, but like Josh Hart's horrible contract that really his agent should probably be fired for getting for him does make him a really interesting piece because he's entirely non-guaranteed next season and the year beyond that with a play with a team option. And so that gives the Raptors some flexibility here. Michael Grange reported tonight that the Raptors, you know, in their hopes of adding someone who can be on the team next year, they're not going to go too, too far into the future with committed money. And Josh Hart fits that bill perfectly because there's no commitment. It's all non-guaranteed money. Even if I'm, you're, you're a fool to not guarantee 12 or 13 million bucks to Josh Hart because he's really good. That's a wonderful contract for Josh Hart. So I don't think it's doable because... He was just traded to the Blazers this week. Therefore, he cannot be aggregated with other players in another deal this week. And that makes it difficult because he makes $12 million. $12 million, that is. And the Raptors just don't have that kind of salary in that middle tier that they can throw in there to make the deal work. Drogic makes too much money. It would have to be within $5 million bucks or so for the Drogic and a heart swap to, to work to get the, to keep the, the Blazers out of the cap and all that stuff. So it is... Very, very unlikely that the Raptors are able to pull that off. I suppose they could like combine Boucher and Birch and do it if they really wanted to. I don't really see why they would trade Chris Boucher right now. I mean, maybe Josh Hart is good enough that you do it. Maybe there's a subsequent move where you get some big man help to fill in there, but you're almost taking from a position where you have a lot of guys and making it a weakness once again if you do that and you're not getting some kind of center back. So, yeah, as much as Hart would be a perfect fit, and if the Raptors got him and tomorrow we're talking about new Raptor Josh Hart, it would be incredible. I just don't think it's all that feasible or likely. 
you know, there's the other names that have kind of floated around. I don't think Eric Gordon's going to happen. That one's really not seeming like a deal that's going to go down at all. And, you know, I've kind of softened my stance on giving up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I was pretty in on that one. But I think it's okay to evolve your opinions. And I think, like, a Gallinari would be a better version of the Eric Gordon trade, too. You know, you're getting equally injured all the time, guys in their 30s. I just think Gallinari with his size and, you know, probably just a little bit more of an effective player for this Raptors team and the construct they have. Either way... The deadline should be fascinating. I would imagine there will be some new member of the team that we're talking about by this time tomorrow. And I will have a podcast right at the deadline tomorrow, if anything goes down, where I will run through everything that's going on. So I I know I said there will be two podcasts today, only if something of particular note happens. If not, then we'll kind of break it all down on Friday's podcast where we break down the Rockets game and we'll talk deadline there too, if nothing of note happens. But I do think something of note will happen with the Dragic contract and the trade going out. So we will probably have an episode for you tomorrow afternoon to dig into before the Raptors take on the Houston Rockets looking for their eighth win in a row. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, hope you enjoy the deadline. It's weird. It's silly. I'm going to go skiing in the morning just so I'm not refreshing Twitter all day long and hopefully something doesn't happen while I'm out on the hill. Uh, but either way, uh, it should be a lot a lot of fun. So uh, we'll be back in tomorrow, later today or tomorrow with the game, with the podcast talking about the Rockets game. Apologies for the strange chronology. I keep forgetting I'm recording this still on Wednesday night. So my brain is all messed up. It's fine. It's deadline week. Nothing makes sense. Thank you for tuning in. If you have not yet, go listen to yesterday's episode of the podcast with Howard Beck. Really, really great chat on Fred Van Vliet and the piece that Howard wrote about Fred. Really, really enjoyed it, and I hope you go and check it out and enjoy it yourselves. And uh, with that, we will wrap it up here with your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. I mean, it could be Locked On Raptors later today if you wanted it to be, but you could also go make it Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. The Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. They have you covered with all the props, lines, the weird props like Gatorade. Maybe they have thoughts on that. Maybe they got the inside track on who the Gatorade, what the color Gatorade is going to be. Either way, go check out Locked On Bets as your second listen of the day. And you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You see it on the screen there. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe on YouTube. Please subscribe to all the podcast apps for free. And with that, we will leave you there and talk to you probably this afternoon, if not Friday, with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.